This Choircast podcast is brought to you by the book Drugs and Jesus by Josh Lawson. It's no secret that churches are stumbling in the dark when they look for ways to effectively serve people who use drugs. As the death toll of accidental drug overdose continues to rise across our country at an alarming rate, Christians are struggling to connect their faith with this urgent and holy work. Faith-based activists are attempting to bridge the gap, but so far, their message has been confined to socially progressive circles. Drugs and Jesus is the first book of its kind to pioneer a theological framework for people of faith, and especially evangelical Christians, to help them engage in the ministry of harm reduction. Drawing from my own groundbreaking efforts to equip faith communities at the epicenter of America's rural opioid crisis, Drugs and Jesus takes readers on a journey of theological and practical transformation that will help them learn how to better serve the most vulnerable members of their community, all without having to become experts in the field of addiction or theology. Drugs and Jesus releases from Choir Publishing on April the 11th. Don't miss it. Hi, I'm Lena Wynn. The first thing I do every day is get a good cup of coffee. Then I get a second cup with Keith. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Second Cup with Keith. I'm your host, Keith Giles, and I am sitting here with uh, my very good friend, Melissa Denise. Um, She is someone I've known for quite a while. She does a really great uh, podcast YouTube channel, but we'll talk about that in a second. And um, she is really someone who has helped me personally as I've been processing, I'm still processing, something called the second deconstruction, whatever that is. Um, But Melissa, thanks for being on the show. Keith, thank you so much for inviting me and everything that you said, I would say right back to you. I feel like we've sort of been on this journey together in a sense. This is the fifth interview that we've done together and yes. it's it's been really great. Yeah, it really has. Um, so for, for my listeners who may not be familiar with you, um, give us a little bit, kind of a brief background on yourself. I know you went through a, a, an initial deconstruction and like, mm-hmm. like what triggered that? What was that like? And then maybe talk, tell us about you know, starting your, your YouTube channel. Absolutely. So I was raised in the Christian faith, a really strict branch known as Reformed Baptist or Calvinistic Christianity. Mm. And I also, at the same time, had these profound spiritual experiences that I had no explanation for within my faith. Yeah. So I was um, within Reformed Christianity for the first 19 years of my life. I left that church as soon as I was an adult and felt like I can leave without being disrespectful to my parents. And I was a part of a charismatic word of faith movement in Christianity for, let's see, the next 10 years. Wow. I, yes. And so I began deconstructing when I was 29 years old. Mm-hmm. And there's like a whole story of what led up to that, which you can ask me about if you want, but I won't can go into all the details. But it, it was about a f- the actual deconstruction happened really fast because, like I said, I had had these profound spiritual experiences and I was really seeking for something deeper. Yeah. And when I found the answers I was looking for, I deconstructed in a matter of months. But there's the social fallout of that and all the emotional baggage that that dragged up for me took about five years for me to fully process. Yeah. And then 
following right on the heels of that initial deconstruction was the second deconstruction, which we've talked about, where Mm -hmm. you find yourself outside of this faith that's been a part of your life for since you were born. Yeah. But you find yourself no longer in a place where you can be at odds with that. So I guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit because during my first deconstruction, like you mentioned, I started my YouTube channel because I needed someone to share these deeper spiritual experiences with. And also I found that there's this whole huge community of people going through deconstruction who wanted to talk about deconstruction. And so I really built my channel on deconstruction with some spiritual like near-death experiences and things thrown Mm -hmm. in there but I got to a point where I just could not continue with the deconstruction content because it it was not where my personal spiritual journey had led me right right now and and it's such a just hearing you tell that story right I think all of that is normal and natural like going from that very toxic, controlling, narrow-minded, kind of like reformed Baptist thing. I was Southern Baptist, so it's almost as bad. Mm-hmm. I think yours is probably even worse. Right. Um, so you know, that's something that you you realize, I got to get out of this, right? I got to escape from it. Similar to you, we our quote-unquote escape from that took us into like a charismatic, we were in the vineyard movement, right? So it, that was, yeah. I think, probably because it's a little more experiential. It's more open to spiritual experiences. It's not just about theology, right? It's theology, but it's, but it's, you know, it's balanced a little bit with, I feel like I connected with God. I had a spiritual experience, right? Something like that. Um, so we felt more comfortable in those waters for a while. And, and then, you know, then, then the real deconstruction kicks in and then you do need to process it. Right. So like for me, I did, I wrote books, I did blogs, um, I, I did podcasts, you did a podcast. Um, and again, you need to process it. You need other, you need to find other people who know what this is like, right? So, you, yeah, and I think in each of these cases, we we go from one community into another community, right? We're looking for a community of people who can relate to where we're at in that moment. And so, yeah, I, I definitely relate to all of that. So, but I am curious, um, again, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I just, because I don't know uh, the story. So, what was the catalyst for your first deconstruction? What was it that really just made you say, whoa, I, I, this stuff I used to believe I can't believe anymore? Right. So the catalyst was I had a profound spiritual experience when I was a teenager. It was like um, an out-of-body experience, like a spontaneous out-of-body experience where I just my consciousness completely left my body. I experienced ultimate knowledge and saw the key to life and all of these crazy things. I came back and didn't know what to do with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I kind of put it on the back burner for a long time and just continued with my Christian faith. But I got to a point in my life where my Christian faith was not enough for me. We yeah. we were really, my husband and I were struggling financially. He had lost his job twice in the span of like three years. We had lost our apartment twice, would have been homeless if it wasn't for family. Yeah. And we were struggling in our marriage too, because of all the stress. And I got to the point where I just needed something more like mm-hmm. the Christian faith can be very beneficial for people who need it. And I'm absolutely not anti-Christian, but Mm -hmm. the answers weren't deep enough. There's just 
I began to see a lot of logical inconsistencies and things that just didn't line up. And around that time, I began uh, reading near-death experience accounts online. And what happened is I finally understood what had happened to me. And Mm. I realized there's this whole community of people. They say that 8 million people in the U.S. alone have had a near-death experience. And I began to understand I really experienced something real And I was given some really deep, profound answers, which I hadn't been able to accept because they went opposite to my Christian faith. Right. And when I finally got to the point where I was willing to consider and accept what had happened to me, I I didn't really need like all the doctrine anymore, Mm -hmm. like all, Mm -hmm. all the empty traditions and doctrine just didn't speak to me anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, yeah, where... It's this collision of belief and experience, right? And mm-hmm. recognizing that something's got to give, right? And and I think when you've had those kinds of ex- profound experiences, like I, I, I'm again, I'm similar in, with, to you in that sense. Where uh, as a young person, even as a Southern Baptist, um, I had profound spiritual experiences as well. Which I mean, those are non-negotiable, right? I, I can, I can debate and negotiate and think and rethink and, um, my theology. And I have, right. That was what the whole first deconstruction was about. But in all of that, I, I can never doubt, no, this happened. Like I, this, you know what I mean? No doubt. I was wide awake. (laughs) I was, I was, you know, in my right mind and these things totally happened to me. Um, and so those are non-negotiable. And so then, yeah, the, the things you believe kind of need to line up with those experiences, right? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I love to hear about your experiences too. But (laughs) at least for me, I could only continue on so long. I I actually, when I started deconstructing, I tried to stay in the, in the Christian church for like three years, I think, because I could see this, the similarities, like we're both saying the same thing with different words to a certain Mm -hmm. extent, but Mm -hmm. at some point, because I couldn't express myself and I couldn't share my true self and my true beliefs there. It just, it didn't feel authentic anymore. Right. Yeah. I I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think um, I did the same thing where early on, I think this is normal, right? I think early on it was sort of like, Hey, uh, I would still call myself a Christian so I, hey, I have, I've, I've got these new ideas, or maybe I've discovered yeah. this theology isn't quite true, and here's a better way of looking at it or thinking of it, right? And so you want to share that with people, like, hey, other people who also are kind of in this kind of Christian evangelical world, they don't know this. I want them to know this. I want this will. I think this will help them. So you kind of want to reform from within for a little bit, right? And just see does mm-hmm. does anybody else resonate with this? Does anybody else say, yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's right. So I, I definitely did all that for a long time. Um, and, but I've also gotten to the place now where, uh, that doesn't, that isn't working as much anymore either. Cause I, again, that's, this is where having gone through deconstruction and so I want to get back to what you're saying. So like you, you did your podcast. Um, how long, how long were you doing your podcast focused on kind of mainly still focused on deconstruction before you decided to kind of let that go and go in this other direction. 
Yeah. So I think it was about a year that it was fully deconstruction content. Mm -hmm. And I would try to like add in some other things because like, like I said in the beginning, my deconstruction was triggered by these profound spiritual experiences that I had. So I was never like, um, just like really anti-Christian or just deconstructed because of logic or anything like that. So I would try to add in some of these other profound truths that I wanted to share and it just never went over very well. And at some point I, after about a year, I started interviewing near death experiencers and I sort of went in the direction of doing a podcast instead. And I, I just said, okay, this is what I'm doing because this is what's resonating with me. And I lost almost all of my follower base that I had built up over that first year. I lost friends over it. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. Yep. Again, and and that's exactly what happens, isn't it? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. uh, I got to say kudos to you though, for following your, your own heart and your own, uh, you know, your, your, what you were experiencing and, and going into that because Again, I, I experienced that. Like I did this whole Jesus Own series, right? This book series I did about deconstruction. And I'm proud of it. I'm glad I did it. I know it's helped a bunch of people and it's still available for people. But after I did all of that, um, when I finished that series, was sort of like the, okay, now what? And then that's when I did Solar Mysterium. And that was that was probably the beginning of my second deconstruction process because that was, uh, to my shock people who were celebrating me and loved me in that deconstruction space, when I started asking the wrong questions or making the wrong, making, making statements that went a little further than they were comfortable with, those same people that used to endorse my books and have me on their shows and, 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 and loved me and supported me were like, oh no, Keith, uh, I can't support that. I can't endorse this book. Or even flat out tell me, don't publish this book, right? It, they, they saw it as, as a, a bad thing or as a threat. And, you know, that's a kind of a point in the road, right? That's in the crossroads of like, well, I can continue to hang on to my followers, keep everything status quo, don't rock the boat, you know, um, maybe let these thoughts stay private or, and that's the safer way to do it, right? Um, Or you can say, you know what? I don't care. I, I have to be true to myself. I have to be honest with where I'm at. And uh, if I lose followers, if I lose support from people, so be it, right? You have to do that. And and you made that decision. Yeah, and so did you. And, and I've really enjoyed watching your journey. I have to say thank you for putting yourself out there because I didn't do that. I, I, <laughs> I totally withdrew. I stopped creating my own content because I didn't know what to say. And yeah. I started letting other people do all the talking. <laughs> That's, but that's okay though, right? You let, uh-huh. it's like good cop, bad cop. Like, oh, I didn't say it, they did. Look, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. So I actually love that you've done that. And I've really loved uh, listening to these conversations. You have, you really have had some amazing conversations with some people that have had some really fantastic experiences. Um, and so I, I guess in general, I'm curious, they all, this is a big, big shift here in, in, in the conversation. So forgive okay. me, but, um, but as I'm, you know, as I've watched some of the interviews you've had and everything, I, I think you do a wonderful job of asking the questions, letting people give you their experience. Um, but without sort of judging that experience, right. Mm-hmm. Because, um, 
but let me so let me ask you about that. Like, as you've heard so many of you've had your own experiences, you've interviewed so many other incredible people who have also had pretty profound experiences. And in some cases, I'm sure there's a lot of overlap similarities. We're like, okay, you you personally can relate to a lot of the things that they're sharing of their experiences. Maybe you can, and you're in a unique position of saying, okay, this person's story reminds me of these two other, three other stories that I've heard as well. So there's there's commonality in some of these experiences, but I imagine there's also some, some uniqueness to the, some of these experiences where it's like, well, that's weird, or, oh, I didn't know that, right? Or I'm not sure about that. So I'm curious, how do you handle that? when you're having those conversations, do you feel the need to can, to make it make sense or to connect those things? Or are you, are you okay with it just sort of like being what it is and letting it stand? Mm, that's such a good question. I would say, first of all, when I'm deciding who to have on, I do filter out certain experiencers because it's just a little too outside my realm of what <laughs> I perceive to be reliable information, I guess. Good, good. Um, okay. The thing about the spiritual realm is that a spiritual connection and spiritual communication is so, it happens on such a subtle level. It's yep. like, you have to, I'm sure you've heard this analogy before, but it's like dialing a, a radio into a certain frequency yeah. and so it can there's always a chance that people who are claiming that they've had spiritual experiences may not may not be legitimate I mean it could sure. be their own mind talking to them it could be something that they think has happened that they so for that reason I personally tend to stick to avenues which I feel can be verified objectively right. verified like the near-death experience so many people can look and see what's going on in the room and then verify it later yes and there are certain topics that I just don't get into that are just too out there for me and there's no way mm -hmm. I can tell like is this a legitimate experience but in the interview itself if something comes up that I may not agree with or I have questions about, I may ask them further questions to kind of dig and find out, is there an underlying commonality here? Is there some other way we can sure. explain this? But in my interviews, I try to keep my personal opinion out of it if, and yeah. just let them tell their stories, if that makes sense. No, totally. Um, yeah. yeah. And then for myself, though, I'm always seeking answers mm -hmm. if that makes so if there's something that doesn't make sense to me then I'll just keep an open mind and see if I run across some information later that might help explain it which oftentimes I do yeah that's great I think that's great and I try to do the same thing as well when I interview other people um I've interviewed plenty of people I don't agree with <laughs> um and yeah. so yeah, I, I'm trying I I don't want it to be a debate if it's in this podcast kind of a setting too like it's usually mm -hmm. not it's I, I'm not having them on because I want to argue with them um, so I'll just let them talk, right? Okay. That's, that's your view. And and people that follow my shows will know, they know, oh, Keith doesn't agree with this guy. That's okay. I don't have to right. bring it up. I don't have to make a big deal about it. Um, but that's good. And I think, I'll, I think you make a great point too. Um, just recognizing there, there's always a subjective level to all these spiritual experiences, right? So this is one of the reasons why I think, uh, I really value hearing um, spiritual experiences or spiritual wisdom and mystics from outside the Christian tradition. 
mm-hmm. um, because we all filter our our genuine spiritual experiences, right? Um, but we will always filter them through our cultural and religious assumptions and and filter, right? So, for example, I don't know if you've looked into this at all, but I, I was curious once and I looked it up about near, near-death experiences for people outside of the Christian world. And I came across like people in India who are Hindus, right? So they're not going to see Jesus, right? They're, they're going to see Vishnu or, you know, or Ganesh or something. Um, and so it doesn't mean, well, what, what's going on? Did they see Ganesh? Well, they saw a being, they experienced a, a spiritual being of love and light um, that, that they, when they woke up again and were trying to express it in words, would filter it through, oh, this must have been Ganesh. This must have been Vishnu. This must have been Shiva. Um, and you know what I'm saying? So like, I, it doesn't mean the experience wasn't real, but it means that we can't help but filter some of our experiences through our assumptions and our religious framework, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about how you have people on your podcasts who disagree with you and that's fine i think that's one of the biggest things about this second deconstruction that we've both gone through that we've come to an understanding that we don't have to have the right answer like we don't need to think that we have the right answer maybe it's not even about finding the right answer because like you said we all filter things through our lens through our experience, and we each have a unique perspective on the truth, if that makes sense. No, exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. And again, that's what that's how I got in trouble in, in the beginning, because my book, Solo Mysterium, was say was t- taking the, the opinion, taking the, uh, the posture that God is a mystery, and that as such, you can't talk about God with any kinds of certainty, um, that knowing God was not about information having the right answers. Um, it was a shifting of that paradigm to say, knowing God was more experiential, right? I could absolutely have an experience with with the divine. I may not be able to explain it or prove it, but that's not that's that's less important, right? I, I, I don't care about that anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore. I care about that. It's more about validating those experiences and and having that experience with God. Yeah, it could be argued that the only way to know God or to know the truth is through experience. Yes. Because yes. that's what we're doing here. We're having an experience. Yeah. And that is such a shift, right? So um, I, I want to I get back to sort of the, the second deconstruction thing. So you, you really were the very first person, Melissa. I, I was uh, the, one of the last times I think I was on your show. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it just kind of came up. I think I was talking about this feeling and then I don't know if you called it a second deconstruction or if I did, but I think you might have been the one to bring it up. And when you said that, I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's what this is. That's exactly what this is. Um, so you were the first person I ever had a conversation with where, uh, that phrase, the second deconstruction came up and I was like, that's what I'm going through right now. And I didn't know until, until you said that what it was. Um, so Talk a little bit about, for you, what is that deconstruction? How would you describe a second deconstruction, uh, at least in your experience? What what was that like? What is that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it's unique to each person. But for me, my first deconstruction was, I, I was very much still in the Christian world and the mm-hmm. Christian universalist community, the progressive 
progressive Christian community. And although I didn't consider myself to be a Christian, that I was still using a lot of Christian language, a lot of Christian ideas. I was focusing most of my attention on looking back on my Christian faith, criticizing it, pointing Mm -hmm. out all the logical inconsistencies, and then communicating with people in the deconstruction world. This is how we can understand this passage of the Bible differently. This is why, you know, this doesn't make sense. But here's, you know, with all very Christian language and all of that. So my second deconstruction was admitting publicly that I did not actually think through a primarily Christian lens, that I was just as interested in Eastern traditions and some Mm -hmm. new age concepts and Mm -hmm. some Western mystical traditions as I was Christianity. And that I actually thought that multiple paths are valid paths to God. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. I wanted to incorporate these ideas in my content. And so really for me, it was disassociating with the Christian label. Yes. I guess is the biggest thing. Yeah. And that was tough because like you said, you're in this community of people who have gone through this massive shift in their beliefs, but are still holding on to some level of, I don't know, Christian foundation. Like many of the people that I was interacting, for instance, still believe that Jesus was the ultimate expression of God. And that's something that I said all the time. And I still believe that Jesus is a divine being, but I also believe that there are other expressions of God who have come to communicate truth to us as well. Mm-hmm. And within that community, saying something like that is not necessarily accepted. <laughs> and so it was like, first of all, I have to deconstruct this language I've been using, this worldview I've been speaking through. And also I'm going to lose my entire community of people who are still in that mindset. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And that's exactly uh, very similar to what I've experienced as well. So you, you made this shift, right? You, you decided to go ahead and say, okay, look, I'm, I'm not filtering everything. I'm not, I'm not filtering my beliefs and my statements and, and uh, my experiences anymore through the, like, I don't need to find a Bible verse to justify this anymore. Right. Whereas maybe in the past you did feel like you needed to do that. Right. Like, well, but is that biblical or what, what does the Bible say? What, you know, uh, wanting to sort of continue to fit within that Christian biblical kind of framework. Right. Um, and I, I, that's the same thing for me as well. Um, that was, that was sort of the, the step I made that people started saying, hold on a minute. When I said that, um, that people like, Yes, that Jesus was someone that had um, divine insight, you know, that, again, this idea, I think we talked about this before, where it's a difficult question to answer now when people say, do you believe that Jesus was God? And I'd say, well, yes, but only in the sense that so are you, right? Uh, In other words, like it's, these things are not unique to Jesus. Maybe, maybe Jesus had some insight to a higher degree than maybe I have. I'm, I'm not, I'm totally comfortable saying that I'm still learning myself. Um, but I, but I would say, you know, I've discovered similar wisdom and insight and profound wisdom and and divine wisdom. Um, everybody, everyone from Socrates to black elk, to Rumi, to, 
you know, Brene Brown. So it doesn't, uh, it's not limited to Jesus, right? It's more, for me anyway, this is how it felt. Like I sort of was saying, okay, Jesus is great. I I really appreciate a lot of things that Jesus does and says. I still do. Um, But it's just sort of like I've widened and expanded um, the, the sources that I'm looking to, to find wisdom and truth. And I'm not limiting that to Jesus. Right. So for me, yeah. yeah. So go ahead. No, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I was in the space where I was, it it felt like I'm getting the same simple message, the same message that love is the answer. Everything Mm -hmm. is divine. We are all one. Yes. Said over and over and over from all of these different sources, whether yes. it's from the yogi masters or from a course in miracles or from a yep. channeled text like Law of One, it's the same thing. And I just, it was so exciting to me. Like you yeah. have to, you get to the point where you just cannot keep that inside. It's yes. like there's this one simple, profound message that has been given to humanity from as far back in history as we go. That's right. And we're not getting it. Like we're right. still caught up in the wars and the division and the politics. And mm. they're trying to get whoever is out there, whatever word you put on the divine is trying to get this message through to us. So mm. you get to the point where it's like, it, it's too much to just, you can't just stick to one narrow worldview when you, when you realize that. That's right. Yeah. And that is uh, for me that one of the big, big things about this. So, um, I'm even sure there's people listening to this podcast right now who are nervous about what we're talking mm-hmm. about, because um, I have been slowly trying to make that transition, um, and I've done it out in the open, so it, it shouldn't be a huge surprise to people listening to the podcast. But you know, I am moving away from a, a a narrow sort of Christian lens and saying exactly what you said that I, I I'm convinced that um, the divine. The, the source, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, uh, ultimate consciousness, uh, which we're all connected to, which we would call the divine, um, has been trying to communicate to humanity this very simple and beautiful and profound message of our divine connectedness, our divine unity with with the source of all things, with consciousness and with one another. Um and then realizing, like you said, number one, that this message is everywhere. Like almost every mystic, every religious, every philosophical, you know, voice you can look at. It, at some point, even now, quantum science is verifying these ideas as well, which is even more like wow. Like at the quantum level, scientists are saying that well, no, there's only the quantum field. We experience the universe that there are separate things and separate separate objects, and but they're all the one. All of them are expressions of the one quantum field, and and that's that's the reality that there's only one source, one energy, one frequency um, that we're all kind of connected to. So when you when you re- realize that, I mean that to me that's the second deconstruction. That was the big aha for me of like, wow. Um, and I, I, I tend to call it sort of the answer to everything, which, by the way, is probably a book I'm going to write eventually, um, because it makes me realize, like, if we as humanity could get this, and personally, I don't think it matters where you get it from. Can you get it from Jesus? Yes, you could. Can you get it from, you know, some of the writings of Paul? You could. 
You could also get it from, again, all these other sources we've talked about. Um, so I don't think it matters if you get it from quantum science or Socrates or the Gospel of Thomas or Rumi or uh, who cares? You know, some there's a new John Batiste song that came out that's amazing. Maybe you get it from a, a song on, on uh, you know, you hear on Spotify or something. But um, however we get it, I think it's just the important thing is that we get it. Because when we do see that we're all connected to the divine and we do get that, therefore, we're all connected to one another, then uh, it reverses all that flow of what you're saying, all the negative stuff, right? Now, now it's not us and them. It's not Democrat and Republican. It's not Baptist and charismatic or whatever. It's not, it's not all these divisions. It's, it, you can't even have war or poverty or racism or any of these things that we struggle with as humanity. If when you look at the other person, you don't see the other person, you see yourself reflected back at you, or you see God reflected back at you. Um, if we can really, really grasp that and get that, it seems like that's the most important thing right now is that we understand that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really the message that I was getting for myself when I started studying near-death experiences, which really pushed me first into the first deconstruction and then into the second deconstruction that's the message that was coming through so strongly is love is the answer small acts of love and kindness are powerful enough to change the world and we can do that not only can we do it we have to do it because it's getting to that critical point and this message is coming through over and over and over and it's so simple yes and it has to be talked about. It has to be expressed. Yeah. And going back to the the second deconstruction that you asked me about, what was that like? Like, what was that like for me? Well, after my first deconstruction, when I was still very much in the Christian community, I noticed that it was kind of like um, an attachment aversion relationship to one way of seeing things, if that makes sense. Because I shared that I couldn't quite break free from the Christian language language and label and worldview. But at the same time, I was spending all of my time criticizing yes. Christianity. Yes. So it's like, you, Christianity is what I knew. I knew uh-huh. the ins and out of it. And if I wasn't going to be a Christian, then I could be an anti-Christian. I could yeah. criticize it. I could have spent mm-hmm. the rest of my life doing that just simply on knowledge base. Yes. But when there's this simple profound message that keeps coming through from all of these other sources yeah it's it starts to seem like a waste of time to just stay in this cycle focused on this one thing criticizing this one thing but not Mm -hmm. quite able to break away from it so that's really what pushed me into the second deconstruction yeah no absolutely yeah it's so true and i think um it's uh it's an it's a big step that the second deconstruction is finally realizing it's okay to sort of let go of that Christian part of your identity. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Again, that's anyone who's been through any deconstruction knows it's not an easy process, right? It is painful. It's difficult. It, it does. You do feel isolated. You feel, this is why I was so excited when you and I connected on this second deconstruction mm-hmm. thing is like, Oh my gosh, at least there's one other person who knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Um, so, but, but at the same time, I want to say, for people who are listening to this, who are still kind of in that first deconstruction, this, 
I know this because I've tried to talk to other people uh, in some of the groups that I run, Facebook groups that I run. I've I've tried to share this feeling with them and this, this experience with them. And, and I've gotten reactions from them like, oh, oh yeah, this is just reconstruction. I'm like, no, it's not reconstruction. I know in, in that, in that world, in that framework, if you've, if you've gone through deconstruction, you hear the kind of things we're talking about and you, and you tend to think, oh yeah, I know what that is. And I would say, you kind of don't know what this is <laughs> if, <laughs> if you haven't really, really, really crossed into this, right? It, it's a, it's a pretty big shift of being like fully being willing and um, I don't say even willing. It's sort of like, it's necessary for you to say, I've got to let go of this Christian sort of identity, this tribalistic uh, religious identity of being Christian. Right. Um, and if, once you've kind of taken that step, you've crossed into, uh, you've let go of that sort of that what's known and safe and comfortable. Cause even, even though deconstruction is painful, there is still a community of Christians, progressive Christians, you can hang out with and talk to and speak the same language and you're welcome in that world. Um, but, but, but when you get into the second deconstruction, you start to realize, well, no, I'm leaving that world. I'm, I'm not on the same page with those people. Right. And I can have great conversations with people who are still in deconstruction, but again, only to a point. Right. In fact, this just happened the other night. My, my wife, Wendy and I were having dinner with some friends of ours here um, and we were having a great conversation. I mean, they're still Christians, right? They're, they're deconstructed Christians. And I was kind of blown away with, with the level, uh, sort of the progressive level that they were at, that we were, we were freely able to talk about, um, like everybody is saved and it doesn't matter if you use the name Jesus or not. And I'm like, and I was thinking like, whoa, I can't believe that I'm having this conversation with these people. Like I, I felt like, wow, they're really, they've really got it. Right. And then one of the people uh, in the conversation had to dro dropped in this thing that at the end, they were like, well, yeah, you know, it's so great to be able to talk to people like this because, but in the end, uh, it's all still, you know, Jesus based. And that's what I realized. Oh no, we're not talking about the same thing. Oh, <laughs> like, no. uh, uh, like, I mean, so we were, we were together to a point. Right. But then it's like, but you know, I didn't say anything. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, cause I realized, oh, if I, if I challenge that, then now I've lost it. Right. They're going to, it's going to be like, what you don't think this. So, um, you know, I can still relate to some people who are in deconstruction, but for myself, um, in the second deconstruction, I just don't care about those things anymore. I don't care about the Bible. I don't care about, is this biblical? Is this within the framework of, of even progressive Christianity? Um, I'm just, I'm just set free by the idea that really is simple. It really is just about our, our connection with God, our connection with all humanity, and helping people get that, helping people see that, right? Because again, it is—it's more than just—I mean, of course, it is like a, a an epiphany. It's an aha. Oh wow, I, I get this. I see this. But it isn't just that. It's like once you get it and see it, are you living that? Can can you can you really live your life like that, right? And that's that's really where it gets to be tricky. Yeah. I love what you said about deconstruction and reconstruction. I think yeah. in the wider deconstruction community, there's so many different places where people can land. Some yeah. A Christian could deconstruct and still consider themselves a Christian. I know a lot sure. of them do. Yeah. You could deconstruct and become a progressive Christian or deconstruct and become an atheist or deconstruct yeah. and become a mystic. And like you said, it's so important to meet people where they are because like your friends that you were talking about, 
So if they stay in a Jesus-based faith for the rest of their lives, that's beautiful. And sure. that's what they need and that suits them. Right. And 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 I love how you reacted to that by not challenging them on that, but yeah. meeting them where they were at because at the end of the day, the freeing thing about deconstruction, the best thing about it is that you lose the dogma. Yeah. So you can accept that this we don't have to agree this person's viewpoint is just as valid as mine mm-hmm. and really it's about what allows each person to reach their fullest spiritual path and their spiritual expression mm-hmm. exactly right and i'm this is something i've i've said a lot <clears throat> as i've been trying to express my second deconstruction and i'll i'll probably say it many many more times so uh you know maybe we'll have a, a drinking game take a shot every time i say this um but the, one of the things that me that affected me personally, uh, really in the last couple of months, um, I've always been a huge, I, I was a philosophy minor in college. I've always been a huge fan of Socrates. Um, but there's, there's a sp- specific quote of Socrates that really hit me hard uh, as I've been going through the second deconstruction. And it's, he says, the secret of change is to focus your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. And and I think and I heard it before. It's not like I didn't had not heard it before, but it, when I heard it in the context of my second deconstruction, I realized, oh, yeah, I've been fighting the old all through my deconstruction process. It's all been about fighting the old, like you were saying with your YouTube channel in the beginning. It was all like criticizing Christianity. What's wrong with this theology? Why this? Why PSA is the wrong thing to think? And how eternal conscious torment is horrible? It's not even in the Bible. And, and, and I did all that. And, you know, again, you got to process that. You got to kind of detox from all that stuff. That's normal. Um, but what I, you know, again, in, in the second deconstruction, I'm realizing that it's time to stop fighting the old. And um, that's what I love about uh, about what we're saying, about this this beautiful message of divine unity and connection uh, with one another and with, and with the divine, is that I don't have to prove anything wrong for this to be true, right? I don't have to prove something false to to show you that we're all connected to God and therefore we're all connected to one another. I can just simply talk about that without any need to debunk something, debate something, prove something else false. Um, I can just say, this is a very simple truth. We see it everywhere. If your filter happens to be Christianity, I can show it to you in your filter. I can say, yep, there it is in Christianity. If it's if you're a Hindu, I can show it to you in the Hindu from the Hindu perspective. If it, whatever, even if you're an atheist, I can say, well, look at quantum science, right? So it doesn't matter where you personally happen to be, what filter you're currently using. Um, this thing is still true. It's like something that you should be able to look at it and say, well, yeah, uh, that seems pretty simple, right? That message seems to be pervasive across all of these different. Um, different belief systems and, and things like that. So that gives me a lot of excitement about then building the new, you know, and, and it's a little scary. I still don't know exactly what that's going to look like for me. Um, but, but what does it look like for you? I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> what would it look like for you? Uh, I think you're doing, you're already kind of doing it in some ways, but what does it look like for you then to sort of build this new thing? Yeah, absolutely. I love how you express that. And I'm excited to see where your journey is going to take you. I know for me, that was one of the most challenging things because I had spent all of my energy criticizing Christianity and 
And I mean, there's endless things that you could talk about related to that. When you're in that kind of energy, it just goes on and on and on. And when I came out of that, I really found myself unsure, like, because the message that I want to spread is so simple. Like Mm -hmm. how many times, how many different ways can you say, we need to love each other. We need (laughs) to love each other. We need to love each other. We're all connected. And I feel like with the amount of people that are in the world, each person has a unique perspective. Like every single person's journey is a perspective on the ultimate truth, which is that we are all one and love Mm -hmm. is the answer. Yeah. But I myself, I wasn't sure like how many different ways can I say this one thing? And I'm still figuring that out. Yeah. Which is why I deferred to letting other people share their stories and why I got into podcasting because I figured there's so many other people out here who have a perspective on this message, their own Mm -hmm. unique perspective, and I can take a step back and let them share. And go, but I've been thinking a lot about going forward. What Mm -hmm. else do I want to do? And I feel like my calling is more in the field of being practical, like in the realm of being practical, like how do we practically take this spiritual message, like this transcendent spiritual message, and how do we put it into practice in the Mm -hmm. world? So Mm -hmm. that might look like starting, one thing that I love to do is start a a 24-hour live stream meditation with guided meditations to help people come together in unity and, and pray and meditate for the world. Or it could look like doing something practical on the ground, like creating a source of food for people or, you know, just different things that I'm passionate about that I could then share about online. And I could bring other experts in who have knowledge in those areas to talk about it on my podcast. So that's kind of the direction I'm going right now. I love all of that. That is so great. And I think you, you, you kind of put your finger on the challenge of this is that on the one hand, it's simple. So that's good, right? It's good that it's a simple thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's not complicated. Right. Um, but it is sort of like a one note thing, right? Let's love each other. Let's, let's After a while, it's like, yeah, blah, 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 right? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like the Beatles, right? Love is all you need. Okay, yeah, whatever. Um, but so it's, it's hard to kind of break through the noise to sort of like what, how, and, and how many different ways can you say it? Um, so for me, that's what's exciting as well. And, and I've shared this with you uh, so privately, you know, and some other friends of ours. Um, some of my thinking on this, because I'm very much like I have to make lists and I have to think about like, so I broke it out into like, okay, how how am I going to sort of build the new and communicate this simple truth in my blogs or in my books or in my podcasts or in sort of the content that I create on social media? Um, and, and I've just barely started to scratch the surface of like, well, what those things could look like, right? Um, but it's really exciting to think about that. Like, once I start, I, th- I think what it is, it's like once I start doing it, um, then I think more ideas will come, right? Right now, I'm just in the beginning stage of trying to imagine what those things might be. But once I start doing them, I think it'll be more like, ah, here you go, right? It's it's like it's like you were saying, like tuning into that frequency. And once you're tuned, really in, tuned into that frequency and, and you're really connected, then it's going to flow a little better. Uh, I love those ideas. I, I think it's... I think that's great. And I love that you you really are doing that with your podcast of just letting people come on and share their experiences, which are so powerful. Um, I think, um, 
when people, I also think it's interesting. This is uh, maybe another thing. I'm curious what you think about this because um, the kinds of experiences, the spiritual experiences people have in their near death experiences, especially the sort of the common themes across those experiences seem to be right. They go through it. Well, they leave their body. They see their body. Uh, they're outside of their body. They, they kind of go through this tunnel of light. Usually there's maybe mm-hmm. a spiritual being, an angel, maybe a, a grandmother or father or someone who also previously passed away that sort of guides them, travels with them through this tunnel of light. They encounter this source of light of love, have this incredible connection experience of divine love and acceptance. And that's uh, so overwhelmingly beautiful. They have an awareness of their connection that they've always been connected to God um, and then they come back, they come when they wake up from these experiences, they have this overwhelming sense of our connectedness, right? Uh, and how they can see the simple truth in such vivid clarity. Um, but those kinds of stories are similar, very similar to experiences people have on mushrooms or DMT, right? Or, and so I'm curious what you think about that, because I don't know that we've ever talked about that. Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. And I've interviewed a couple of people, I don't think the interviews have posted recently, who have had experiences with plant medicine. And mm-hmm. I'm by no means an expert or don't really have a whole yeah, lot I, of knowledge on it myself. Yeah, but either. I would I think that there's different ways of accessing yeah. um the higher consciousness, as you yeah. put it. Um there's different ways of kind of getting disconnecting from the limitations of the body and being able to experience what we really are like as a spirit being a near-death experience is one Um, a plant medicine i would qualify by saying a guided plant medicine experience with someone who knows what they're doing right is another um people have profound experiences in deep meditation so that's another way um and so there's because this is what we are this entire time we've been talking about unity and oneness and how we're Mm -hmm. all connected to this part of this, the field as the quantum physicists put it, the divine mind, we're all this one thing. And really it's our body that limits us from being able to experience that. Um, And near death experiencers will talk about how the brain is filtering our consciousness and only certain percentage of it is here and then we're experiencing the five senses and the apparent limitations of the body which actually aren't there because quantum physicists also tell us that um, solid matter doesn't actually exist but it's all an experience but there's multiple different ways to disconnect from that and transcend that and experience what we really are and i think that's what the plant medicine experiences are as well as Mm. an experience of higher consciousness experience of your true self. Yeah, no, it's exactly, exactly what I think. And I I wrote about this in Sola Deus as well. I talked about sort of like those different apparent, um, the most sort of the most obvious paths, like how have people reached these levels of higher consciousness, right? So yes, near-death experience is one of them. Um, And I think those are really profound. Uh, Sometimes it is, like you said, plant medicine. I, I talk about, there's a comedian named Neil Brennan, um, that gives his testimony about this, where he he took, um, I think it was ayahuasca, and was a total atheist his whole life, didn't believe in God or anything, and he said he came out of it like, oh, yep, 
God's real. I experienced God. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's always here. It's always, and he was, and now that I've had the experience, I can't not have it. Like I, I just, I'm convinced I know it. I'm experiencing it even now, uh, my connection with God and with everything. Uh, so that's really cool when you hear those kind of stories. But like you said, there's plenty of mystics throughout history, and and you you would even say probably your experiences, right? And I've had experiences too where it was it had nothing to do with uh, I didn't nearly I didn't go through a, a traumatic near death experience. Uh, I wasn't on any kind of substances. Um, I just had this experience. It just happened. So it can happen in in meditation. It can it can just even so, sometimes spontaneously happen in ways you don't think you don't expect. Um, but we are wired for this, right? This is who we are. And we already know, uh, like, I love what you were saying about how reality is filtered through our brain, right? Um, and we already know this. I got to talk about this in my other book, Soul of Mysterium, that, that those experiences that we have filtered through our five senses are not reality. Like, there is more, there is more light in the universe than we can experience or, you know, filter through our eyes, the, the range of visible light is very narrow, but we know that light, the full range of light goes far in every direction, right? We don't see x-ray, gamma rays, ultraviolet rays, infrared, like, but those, but that light is always here. It's happening right now. We just don't experience it. The same thing with sound. Our ears can only hear a very narrow range of frequency of sound, but there's a very vast, wide range of, of auditory sound that's, that is happening right now that we are not experiencing. And, and you could kind of take every sense and break it down like that. Like, so we don't experience reality as it truly is. We're, we're, we're having a filtered experience anyway. And so if in some, so, so these spiritual experiences people have had uh, tend to happen when we bypass that, right. Or somehow we are able to kind of um, go beyond that. Right. That's really cool. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Well, this has been great, Melissa. I I, I really I, I really uh, have enjoyed having this conversation. I want to make sure that people know uh, where they can find you, where they can listen to more of your podcast, and um, anything else you want to let us know that's going on. Just uh, give us an update. Yeah, thank you so much. You can find me on YouTube, the Love Covered Life podcast, or at my website, lovecoveredlife.com. Very cool. Melissa, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for being somebody, uh, at least that I can talk to about this second deconstruction experience. Uh, it's good to know we're not alone in this. And I guess if anyone is listening and you kind of find yourself going through a second deconstruction, um, you know, let us know, reach out to either one of us. We'd be happy to, to talk to you and connect with you and let you know that you're not alone in this process. So thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you so much, Keith. I've so enjoyed every conversation that we've had. And I also appreciate the fact that you kind of been there on this journey and we've been able to share a little bit and being in your group is also awesome. So I really appreciate you, really appreciate you putting yourself out there so that other people know that they're not alone. And yeah, I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. I got to say it's, um, in some ways, I guess it's uh, the first deconstruction experience kind of primed me for how to respond to the second one, you know, because when I was going through the first one, I recognized that, well, I need a, I need a community. I need connection. I need to talk to other people who are have, have gone through this as well. Um, and so going through the second deconstruction, I just kind of followed that same pattern. Oh, who else is going through this? Who else understands what this is like? And uh, like, as I said, you were the first person that I connected with on this journey, but 
um, as I've started to step out and share more, other people have kind of come to me and said, Hey Keith, I'm on the same page. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm totally in that same place. And, and that's been very helpful. And so we're starting to find each other. Uh, I mean, at least for me, I would say right now, less than 10 people I could name that I, that I know of, uh, that I've connected with who are on the second deconstruction journey, but I, I'm sure there's gotta be more out there. And, um, and so I think it's important to kind of name it at least not to label it, but to say like, this is a thing, it does happen. And if you find yourself kind of going through the second deconstruction to know you're not alone in that, and hopefully there's other people you can, um, connect with and listen to and say, okay, uh, I'm not the only one going through it. And that's really important. So right, thank you for absolutely. being one of those people. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, thank you again for listening to the second cup with Keith podcast. I want to give a quick plug. Um, if you like the podcast, second cup with Keith, you'll love the book. Uh, there's a new book available, second cup with Keith. Uh, and, uh, we'll see you next time on second cup with Keith. We're going to continue to have conversations, uh, with other people who are going through their second deconstruction process. And I can't wait to share those conversations with all of you. So we see you again next time.